It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 308 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, and today we are brought to you by Built Bar. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. And as a show note, we recorded this show on Saturday night before the Paul Byron news. We will be touching on that uh, for Monday's episode, or Monday's recording, Tuesday's show. Right now, I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and as always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. Laura, how are you doing after the Habs victory on Saturday night? The Habs won, which is something that I am so relieved about. It would have been so bad for them to enter this week-long break on a low note, but they did get better over the course of the game. And I, actually, I think they played, they played well starting with, against the Edmonton game. They just, you know, we talked about that. They, they made some mistakes. They weren't, they weren't generating the offense that they should have to win the game. But now, you know, they started out a bit lifeless, a lot lifeless, and, uh, they got better as the game went on. And towards the end of the game, I really started to feel like the Canadians have kind of figured out what they were doing wrong and are trying to adjust, especially in the offensive zone. Yeah, tonight's game was, it was interesting because last Saturday, Wednesday, when they played the Leafs, they, the Canadians came out strong, they scored early, and then they kind of fell off a little bit, and then in this game, it was the opposite, and just to kind of focus on the game, the way it started, there wasn't much of anything, and then a Philip Deneau turnover to Austin Matthews behind the net, ended up on Mitch Marner's stick, and it was a goal, and... It was the kind of play that we, I've come to expect from them in the past week. It was kind of lifeless. It was kind of boring. No one really was where they needed to be. Everyone's puck watching. And from there, they just kind of never got into gear. And then as the game went on, the Canadians were good. They were keeping pace. And then the third period started, and it was all Montreal in that period. Uh Brendan Gallagher had a good board battle. He won the puck to Philip Deneau, who was coming from behind the net. Deneau sets up Tyler Toffoli for his 10th goal of the year. Uh, and then Gallagher late in the game knocks down a Jeff Petrie point shot and just roofs the rebound by, uh, Frederick Anderson. It was, it wasn't pretty, but it was a game the Canadians had to win. And it's the kind of win that you build on. It's like, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but not everyone was going to be. And unlike the Ottawa game a week ago where they won by the grace of Jake Allen, they won this game as a complete team effort. Like I'm looking at natural stat trick right now. And at five on five at the end of the game, the Canadians had controlled 58% of the shots. And then as the game went on, they had 51% in the first period, 57 in the second, and then 65 in the third. They kicked it into gear when they had to. Winning ugly is still winning, but this isn't the same as, like I said, winning that game against Ottawa last week. I feel a lot more confident that this team is capable of now bouncing back and winning games like this and not just relying on the goalie to try and save them now. Although the goalie was good, 
I will, I will say, you know, Price had a great night. I, I just, I find that what we wanted was for the Canadians to get back to what they do best. And we were worried a little bit that they'd forgotten how to play. And it seems like that's, you know, it's alive and well. And I, I just, I really like how they got better as the game went on as opposed to continuously losing faith when they didn't have the kind of start that you would want. That to me is the biggest uh indicator of this game that maybe we shouldn't be that worried about the Habs as we have been this past week. Yeah, like we always knew the Canadians were going to kind of get over that. Yeah, the offense isn't fully back to where it needs to be, but Toronto is still a very good team. They're playing very well, but Montreal now managed to wear them down over the course of three periods in this game, and that's important. Toronto's still without Nick Robertson, who's in the AHL. They still don't have Joe Thornton. Wayne Simmons is out. They're playing their big guns a lot, which you should do when you're a team like Toronto. But at a certain point, you kind of run out of gas, and then Montreal can throw, you know, Suzuki at you. They can throw Deneau at you. They can throw Kotkaniemi at you. Jake Evans has made life really difficult for a lot of people. The Canadians tonight, you know, played to their strengths. They had to get through that kind of early storm. And then from there, they were great. And I'm looking at the possession numbers. Only two people were below, you know, the 50% mark, and that was Corey Perry and Paul Byron, who played around 12 minutes apiece on the fourth line, the least amount on the team next to Jake Evans, who was at 58% shots or shot share in this. It's The Canadians were very good where they needed to be tonight, and I think that's an important thing because as the game's going on, this was that kind of game to – where we look at Carey Price and he gave up that first goal and then every save he made seemed so casual. It's like he was goofing around out there almost. The glove, quick, easy. He was all business tonight. This game itself was pretty much all business. It was over way quicker than I expected. I texted Laura about starting the show and I didn't realize it was only 9.30 at night. Usually I'm expecting this game to run up right to the start of the late game on the West Coast and... It wasn't. It was an efficient game for Montreal here. It showed, uh, it brought forward a lot of what, you know, this team needed. I mean, yes, it kind of has that lingering Thomas Tatar was scratched for unknown reasons. Claude Julien says it's not just him on the score sheet. There's other things they want him to work on. I don't know if this is a message thing or what. I wouldn't scratch Thomas Tatar next game. No offense to Corey Perry. I'd rather have a guy who had 61 points last year in the lineup, uh, but that's just me anyways. Uh, across the board, it was a pretty solid team effort. It wasn't pretty, and but I'm finding hard finding it really hard to try and have a fault anywhere in here right now. I agree with you. I think I think this is just what they needed. Yeah, this is this is the kind of win that a team can build off of going forward. It didn't have to be. Another Canuck team. I mean, I like it when they win by five goals and Tyler Toffoli just ruins a franchise's entire existence. But sometimes you gotta win the games like these. They're not all gonna be pretty, but these are, these all count for two points in the standings. This keeps Montreal within striking distance of first place. Had they lost tonight, they would have been seven points back of first place with a week off where Toronto could have increased that even further. Right now, Montreal's gotta have some confidence on their side. Uh, there was a lot of individual performances tonight that we want to touch on, and we're going to get into those coming up next. Have you ever seen an NHL player get off a team bus and think to yourself, 
Gosh, I wish I could dress that nice. Well, with Indochino, you can. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Recently, I was shopping for a new dress shirt for my upcoming wedding, and when I decided to go with the Hyde Herringbone shirt, I was blown away at all the customization options I had. I could change the type of collar, cuffs, and even decide whether or not I wanted a chest pocket, all while being incredibly affordable, especially given the quality of the product I was getting. New colors, fabrics, and outerwear styles are added regularly too, so it's easy to create your next look. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code NHL to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at INDOCHINO.com with code NHL. We're covering everything you need to know about the Canadians, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with the Locked On Today podcast. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, Laura and I were talking a little bit before the show started about who really stuck out to us tonight? We we touched on Carey Price. Carey Price was absolutely outstanding through the first half of this game. Yeah, he led in the opening goal, but Mitch Marner's alone in the slot. He's paid $11 billion and owns rent space in every Leafs fan's head or whatever. He should score those goals. But from there, Carey Price just kind of locked everything down. There were no rebounds. There were no dangerous chances. Any shot that Carey Price saw hit his glove, and was done. If Austin Matthews got a chance, Carey Price was there with the blocker. He was everything the Canadians needed him to be tonight, and that should immediately quiet down any of this. Is it going to be Jake Allen, or should Jake Allen be starting? The answer is no. Carey Price is this team's starting goalie, and he proved why. Uh, but tonight, I uh, saw Victor Mete come back into the lineup, and I know a lot of fans have been clamoring for him. I'm not pumped that it was Brett Kulak going to take a seat for him. But at the same time, Victor Mete was fantastic tonight. He was just what this defense needed because they had been too stagnant to uh, chip the puck off the glass and out. And Mete's whole game is based around his skating and his speed. And putting him in the lineup uh, puts some uh, fresh, uh, a breath of fresh air into this Canadian's defense. We saw guys like Sherratt, guys like Petrie, guys like Romanov uh, carrying the puck in more. And that's where they had success earlier this year. And now looking at them tonight, look at that. Very clearly, that worked out once again. It's going to be interesting to see how they do this because clearly Victor Mete should definitely be in the lineup for the next game, too. I think so, too. And that's the problem is that, you know, Victor Mete had a really great night. Uh, he was, you know, he took he took a few games to get his, his uh, I guess, hockey legs back. I don't know how you would express that and it didn't help that he was scratched so many times and it was an inconsistent start for him as well so uh, as in an inconsistent number of starts uh that he got and for me I I really don't know who I would remove it's like like Brett Kulak was playing really well and he even played well in the losses you know I, I and I think we even noted in one of the episodes that he was the only defenseman we weren't mad at one night um and and personally i i don't know what you would do because victor mete does need to keep playing as long as he's playing well he's it's not about earning a spot 
it's about keeping him, uh, keeping his ability, keeping his skills up to par. And so for me, like, I honestly don't know, like, who do you rotate in and out at this point? But the thing that I found really interesting is that the two youngest defensemen, or the two least experienced, played really well together. Yeah, it, I always kind of worry because, like, I want someone like Romanov. I thought Brett Kulak is a great partner for him. Kulak moves the puck well, gets himself into the right areas, and does the right things with the puck. That's a lot of good things that a rookie can learn from. But I look at how Mete plays the game and how smooth a skater and confident Romanov was to start the year. There's a lot that he can pick up from Victor Mete in this season right now that I think would be huge for him. I don't expect him to be, you know, an Eric Carlson type defender or anything like that to put up, you know, 60, 70 points a year. But to have that confidence that Mete does, like I look at some of the Canadians' best chances when they were still trying to get into the game. And they came off of Victor Mete rushing the puck. He had a perfect slot pass to Tyler Toffoli, who unfortunately at that time fired it right into Frederick Anderson's chest. But it's the style of play that suits what this Canadiens team is made to be. Speed and finesse is what makes this team click. Like, we talked about it. When they get away from that, they play this slow, methodical, plotting game, and it doesn't work because you have people standing still. No one gets to use that speed and that agility to get around defenders when they're moving like Mete was tonight and like the other defenders were, it puts teams on their heels and it creates a ton of opportunity for teammates there. And that's an important thing. When a defense has to think about defending a defender coming on the rush and then trying to cover a forward coming into dangerous areas, it causes a lot of scrambling and miscommunications. And it brings a new wrinkle to this team that they were sorely missing in the past so I'm hoping Mete stays in the lineup. I know it's unfair to sit Kulak, but maybe you give Joel Edmondson a break. You put Mete back in, you leave him with Romanov, and you put Kulak with Petrie, who we know works extremely well, and see what you've got there. It's not that anyone on this defense has played badly, but this team could be even better, I feel like, if they kind of just give their some rotation and keep everyone fresh right now. Yeah, I think you have to kind of go with that uh rapid rotation, that sorry, that constant rotation because there's really nobody that, like I said, that you would want to remove. And I, I also would just kind of want to note that uh Romanov kind of was struggling in prior games and he seems to be back to the guy that we saw earlier in the season. We did criticize him, as did so many Habs fans and media, um, in the last few games and, and we we attributed it to overexcitement and uh like tr- trying too hard making the mistake you know and and he seems to have kind of bounced back from that i know it's only one game but i was really happy with what i saw with romanov as well and uh you know I, like i can't I, I can't really complain about that pairing at all but i i think the one thing that i would say about the defense overall is that i would like to see fewer leafs carrying the puck into the canadian zone next game yeah, I think they need to work on kind of tightening up at their own blue line a little bit, but that's been an ongoing thing for a couple of years now. But you have these big burly defenders. Don't just let guys into the zone because when you collapse, you give them space to operate in, and that's not a good thing for the Canadians. And before we get to our final segment, I do want to take a moment. This was a game where we saw a classic Brendan Gallagher 
And I think there's a reason why he's going to wear that A on his Habs chest and on his Habs jersey and why he got the contract he did in the offseason. That third period was vintage, you know, Gallagher. He wins a puck battle, feeds it to Philip Deneau, feeds it to Foley, and then he knocks down uh, Petrie's shot and scores the game-winning goal right in front of the net after out-battling TJ Brody. Gallagher was absolutely everywhere He ha- on the ice. And he was he was what the Canadians needed tonight. He was a shot machine. He was in the right areas. He was making things happen. We talked a lot about how Philip Deneau struggled, but Brendan Gallagher getting his game going kind of breathed some life back into Philip Deneau as the game went on too. And that line went from everyone trading Deneau in the first period to Deneau was probably the best center on the team tonight by the time everything was said and done. And a huge chunk of that praise needs to go to Brendan Gallagher tonight. I absolutely agree. And the thing that I can't believe is that we are two-thirds into this episode and we have not yet talked about Thomas Tatar. We did in the first segment that he was scratched. Yeah, but I mean, like, for me, I like I just I couldn't figure out why he was scratched. But also now, like, Claude Julian is looking like a genius. So my whole thing with this is that just because he was scratched and it worked doesn't mean he should do it again. Like, I understand kind of what he's going for, but like, Claude, don't do that anymore. He was your leading scorer last year and he has eight points in 14 games this year. I understand you're looking to shake things up, but you don't take one of your best goal scoring forwards out of the lineup. It's... It's one of those long uh, facts that it's like just because it worked doesn't mean you should have done it. And we've seen all the numbers in the world that say Tatar, De- Gallagher, and Deno is a good line. Sometimes the bounces aren't going their way, and sometimes Tatar scores in bunches. I know that he'll bounce back. He'll be back in the lineup next game, and I bet you, if anything, he's going to come out extremely motivated to make the most of that. Uh, and speaking of coming out extremely motivated and the start of their season, the Laval Rocket are back. They played their first two games of the year on Friday and Saturday, and we're going to talk about those coming up next. Anyone who follows this show knows that Laura and myself love Built Bar and their product. And with 18 incredible flavors, including nut-free options for those of you with allergies, we hope you'll try them out too. There is a flavor for absolutely everybody across the board. From caramel brownie and cookies and cream to lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and classic flavors like raspberry, peanut butter, mint brownie, and salted caramel. There is so many options here that you're going to find something you love from Built Bar. They're soft, easy to chew. They are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're lower calorie, lower in sugar, higher in protein, higher in fiber. They are great for whatever you need them for. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. So you can go to the website, put in your order, get your variety pack box sent right to your house. You're not going to regret it. And if you use promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to save 20% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Give Built Bar a shot. Before we go any further today, I want to talk to you about one of our show sponsors, BetOnline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline.ag even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. 
And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Don't miss another big hockey story. Start your week off with Locked On NHL. Every Monday, Locked On Kings host Sarah Avampato interviews local experts covering the biggest stories in hockey. Get reactions to blockbuster trades, deep dives on the teams destined to be at the top of the standings, and analysis of hockey's hottest stars. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. So the Canadians played two stinkers of a game in a row. And then on Friday night, the, their AHL affiliate, the Laval Rocket, were finally back on the ice. And I was texting Laura during the games because I was covering them for Eyes on the Prize. And the Rocket put up back-to-back 5-1 victories on Friday and Saturday over the Belleville Senators. And honestly, take what the Canadians looked like at the beginning of the season, that fast, relentless, forechecking style game, and apply that to the AHL level. And you have what the team looked like. They were a breath of fresh air after that, and it's very intriguing to see that system in play at the AHL level again. And it wasn't just uh, veterans scoring, like uh, Xavier Willette scored the first goal of the season, Joseph Blandizi had a pair of goals, Yannick Veja had a pair of goals on Saturday. There were a lot of firsts this weekend. Uh, Jesse Ullinen got his uh, first point on an assist on Joseph Blandizi's goal. Joel Teasdale got an assist and his first career goal on Friday night. Uh, Rafael Harvey Pinard scored his first goal of his career on uh, Saturday. Uh, Brandon Baddock, who was signed in the offseason, had an assist on the opening goal uh, on Lauren Dauphin's goal on Saturday. The Rocket look like they're going to be a ton of fun this year, and I highly recommend checking them out on AHL TV. Or if you are in Quebec, they are on RDS all year. Uh, highly recommend tuning in to watch some of their games because not only are the veterans playing extremely well and guys who could be taxi squad, fourth line options, there's a lot to love in the prospects there. And Laura, I don't know if you managed to catch any of the game or any of the highlights, but kind of curious what your thoughts are on the start of their season so far. Well, I don't want to be mean, but I kind of do. Uh, feeling very smug about them being so good against the Senators AHL team. Senators, a team in rebuild, um, and they suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Am, am I being extra bitter? I, I just like that. That was my first thought, to be honest. Even like yesterday, when or yesterday on Friday, yes, because we are recording this on 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 the Saturday night. Um, Scott was getting ready, and he was like, "All right, I'm going to be watching." He knew that I was I was working, and I was like, "All right, you know, keep me posted as to what's going on." Uh, there were so many first point alerts, first goal alerts, and, and that was really fun. But for me, I, I was so worried that, like, the Senators affiliate, who we are going to see so many times this year, I was just like, oh, oh, I, I hope that, I hope they don't, like, beat up on, on the Rocket. And you know what? The Rocket are really good. It is something that we have talked about, you know, their development and drafting in the last couple of years has been, or well, the drafting has been better and the development is getting better. And I just, for me, I'm just like, I'm so glad that this, it's such a strong start uh, because it kind of, it's a continuation of the improvements that they were making last year when their season got cut short. 
Yeah, it was a team effort in that every line is doing something like Lucas Vedemo was their top line center last year and is currently their fourth line center this year. But at the same time, the balance between there is you see Vedemo and then you see Blandizi and then you see Jordan Wheel and then you see et cetera, et cetera through this is that it's not just one big line and then the lesser lines underneath that. It's four balanced lines, three balanced pairings. And then we haven't even touched on this yet, but Caden Primo was outstanding on Friday night. And then uh, Saturday, Michael McNiven is 5-0-0 in his last five starts for the Rocket. He won his last start in 18-19, bounced around three different ECHL teams last year, came back to the Rocket and went 3-0-0 at the end of the season, and then won his first start this year. And Joel Bouchard mentioned that he's one of the best stories in hockey that he's ever seen. And for someone who's bounced around, he's gone through uh, the loss of people in his family. And then to see him bounce back and have a strong showing like this is incredible. And then for everyone making fun of him wearing number three, I hope you're all happy because you're all a bunch of assholes. He wear, he switched from – he wore number 40 originally because his grandfather loved Bobby Orr. And then he added his own touch to that. So he wore number 40 originally. And then he switched his number last year. And then he was wearing number three this year because his daughter was born on October 3rd, 2020. Probably the happiest day of his life short of being signed into the NHL and prob- or to an NHL contract with the Canadians and even more so. And I think it's really fitting that his first game wearing that jersey, he gets a huge win over a heated rival. And if you're going to talk trash about a guy wearing a different number, you're part of the problem in hockey, and you should really just kind of get over yourself. Like, for me, it's like, why make fun of that? First of all, why make – it wasn't even that it was, like, made fun of. It was, like, you didn't even ask the context, and the context is it's 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 the birth of your kid. Um, and, and that, to me, was just kind of like I saw people making fun, and, it, you know, it's not a goalie number. Or it's not, like – you know, it's it's not it's not a number that like HLers wear, or whatever. Like, what do you split? Like, how do you earn a number three? I don't I don't understand like what their point was. Um, and you know what? I I I think that it's a perfectly legit reason to go from thirty three to three if that's your daughter's birthday. Like, I don't you know like yeah like it's, it's heartwarming. It's touching. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's like, well, it's like when, who was it? Was it David Staples? Who was it that was making, or Mark Spector? Uh, Koskinen's 19. <laughs> like. No, it wasn't, it was, it was, it was too close to Gretzky's number. Was somebody wearing 98? And it was too yeah, close Pope to Gretzky. Yeah, Yarby was wearing 98 in Edmonton, and a whole bunch of Edmontonians are like, it's too close to 99. And it's like, but it's not 99. <laughs> What are you going to say? McDavid wears 97. What are you going to say? Nothing? Oh, so you're just a jerk. Got it. Here's the thing is, if you're a goalie, okay, cool. You are playing goalie. Do you have a number on your jersey? Yes. Cool. You have a goalie number. Numbers should be entirely irrelevant in the sport of hockey. Like, 99 is retired. Yes. Number three is a goalie. Cool. It's different. I think that's awesome. I It, it took me a second, but I'm like, once I learned the reason behind it, I'm like, hell yeah, you you wear the hell out of that number three. That's important to you, and I hope he succeeds. And that's let people like things and do things that are different. It's how hockey gets better. It's as simple as that. Um, 
That is going to wrap up this episode, though. As always, if you want to follow the podcast, we are at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. Laura is at The Active Stick, and I am at Scott Matla. You can find the show wherever you listen to your daily podcasts on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever else. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.